This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. Take your Bibles once again, and let's turn to Psalm 23. If you have a copy of God's Word right there, please take it, and let's look together at these familiar verses once again in Psalm 23. We're going to be looking specifically this morning at what may be the most familiar verse in Psalm 23, and that is in verse 4, and we'll look at that in just a moment. Throughout my Christian life, one of the most helpful ways to understand the Christian life has been thinking about it in terms of the stock market. Now, I don't know if this is a helpful analogy at this moment in the history of our nation or a terrible one right now, but for me, this has always been the most helpful way for me to understand what it looks like to walk with Jesus Christ. Since we're in Georgia, let's just take one specific stock for an example. Let's think about the Coca-Cola stock. So if you were to go on Google and you were to type in Coca-Cola stock, the first thing that would happen is a line graph would come up. And above that line graph, you would see about seven different options that you can choose from. You can click on the hourly view. So that shows what's happening moment by moment in that stock. You can go to the one-day view. You can go to the five-day view. You can go to the six-month view. You can go to the one-year view. You can go to the five-year view, and then finally you can go to the max view, showing what that stock has looked like from the very moment it began until this very moment. Now, depending on what you look at is going to determine the way you might feel about that stock. So if you look at the hourly view, it might be terrifying. All of it looks like some great mountains and some great valleys, but the hourly view looks like some incredible, beautiful summits followed by some massive falls into the abyss. This is what the hourly view looks like. But then you span out a little bit and, well, to be honest, the daily view is not much better and right now the six-month view isn't much better. But if you were to continue to span out all the way to that max view, you would get a very different picture. If you looked at it closely, you would see the mountains and you would see the valleys, but you would not see them as dramatically as you would see them as you look at the hourly or the daily view. And what you would see is this. You would see from the inception of this stock until right now, this kind of slow and steady and consistent increase. There are times in which you see a massive increase and somewhere it goes down, but overall what you're gonna see is steady and faithful progress. What you're gonna see there is about 60 years of trading on this stock. And you're gonna see how the stock has gone from around 25 cents to $50 a share. And over those 60 years, you see a lot more progress than you would imagine you would see if you just look at it moment by moment. That is the Christian life. Hourly by hourly, it looks a bit terrifying. Sometimes even a day at a time, it looks terrifying. And it certainly looks a lot like this and then some of these and some of these and some of these. But the goal is, is that as we walk faithfully with the Lord day after day after day, and you stand back and look at the 10-year view or the 20-year view or the 30-year view, maybe even the 60-year view, 
you just see a lot of faithful and steady progress. And in the middle of that is a lot of mountains and a lot of valleys, but a lot of progress. And that's exactly the way Psalm 23 shows us the Christian life. Now remember, Psalm 23 was written to teach us how to follow, trust and follow Jesus Christ. It shows us how to walk the paths of righteousness for our good and for his glory. It reminds us that Jesus, the good shepherd, is the one leading us. He is leading us in the paths of righteousness. And it reminds us that on that path, there's some really great mountaintop experiences. And it also reminds us that along that path, there's some really deep and dark and lonely valleys. The story we just heard from the Desos reminds us of that. You got a story just a moment ago of one of the valleys that's common to a lot of people. And here's what's interesting about the Desos. If you didn't already know that story, you might have been surprised about it. Because on a normal Sunday when we're gathering together, if you're sitting out there, then you're seeing the Desos and their smiling faces in the choir, hands up, worshiping the Lord, really radiating with the joy of the Lord. If you were to pass them in the hallway, you would never know what they've been through. Let me tell you something, that's true of almost every single person that would gather here on any given Sunday morning when we're normally meeting together. Every single one of us have some really great mountains and some really great valleys. And you may not know that from person to person, but the truth is all of us have experienced this. And and listen, if you have not already experienced this, let me tell you something, you will. If you walk with Jesus long enough you will have some great mountaintop experiences and you will have some really deep valleys. In other words, every Christian life is gonna look a lot like the Coca-Cola stock. Have some great moments, some difficult moments, but hopefully overall, a lot of progress. And what I love about Psalm 23 is that it not only assures us of this reality, it prepares us for this reality. Look with me, if you would, at Psalm 23 as I read verses one through four. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And here's our verse for today. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear No evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now David is later in his life looking back over his Christian life, the life of following the Lord. And as he thinks about his life of following the Lord, he comes to this thought that maybe the greatest metaphor for this is one that's familiar to him as a shepherd. That he was much like a sheep and the Lord was like a shepherd moment by moment, leading him through this path of righteousness. And David remembers that as a shepherd, it was necessary from season to season to lead his sheep up to the mountain and then through the valley. That in the beginning of the summer, what David would do as a shepherd is he would begin a journey of leading his sheep up to the mountaintop where there were lush pastures necessary for them to be sustained throughout the summer. 
And at the end of the summer, before the snow was going to descend upon the mountaintop, it was David's responsibility as a shepherd to lead the sheep back down from the mountain into the plains. And in order for them to get up to the mountain at the beginning of the summer, and in order for them to get down from the mountain before the winter came, both times they were gonna have to go through some valleys. That on the way up and on the way down, it was necessary to get to where they needed to go to go through the valleys. It's what David refers to as the valley of the shadow of death. What he is talking about there is life-threatening, fear-generating circumstances. Now, they can be all kinds of circumstances for us. I don't think this simply points to the moment in which you think you're going to die, but it is a reference to these fearful circumstances, the circumstances of loneliness and danger, frightful moments in our life when it feels as if we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. The valley of the shadow of death. And as David talks about the valley in verse four, there are really two truths that emerge that we must understand as we follow the Lord in the path of righteousness through the valley. I would encourage you to write these down. These are gonna be important, not only for your meditation right now, but to accomplish Psalm 23's intended purpose, and that's to prepare you for these moments. The first truth we see in Psalm 23, four about the valley is this. Your pathway always includes valleys. Your pathway always includes valleys. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't say, now if I were to ever walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't even say to us, now if you were to ever find yourself in an unusual, strange twist of fate, where perhaps by chance you might find yourself in a difficult circumstance, he doesn't say that. He speaks of the valley as being an inevitable reality of life. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is stating this as an absolute inevitable reality of life. Your pathway will always include valleys. He even speaks of it in this imperfect tense, which we've seen throughout Psalm 23, meaning it's not a completed action, it's a continual action. In the same way you see it in verse one when he says, I shall not want, I will, sh I will continually be sustained by the Lord. When he says, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. Every one of those phrases are imperfect verbs, they're continual action. And so it is, verse four is the exact same. That I am going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and at times I will continue throughout my pathway until this journey is finished, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This is an inevitable reality of following the Lord. Now, it's even more interesting when you think about the connection between verses three and verse four. So verse three has established a truth that we have looked at the previous two weeks. The truth is simply this. The Lord leads us in the path of righteousness for our good and for his glory. It is the Lord who is leading. When we become a Christian, we make a choice to trust and to follow Jesus, meaning 
We have now submitted ourselves to Jesus being the ruler and boss of our lives. He's leading, we're following. We're no longer the leader. He's the leader and we look to him and we follow him where he's going. You say, well, where exactly is that? Well, we don't know. We talked about that last week. All of our paths look dramatically different, but we trust the Lord and we trust his direction. And we know from verse three, which is important to know before we get to verse four, that when Jesus leads us in the path of righteousness, he does so for our good. These are the right paths. There are wrong paths and there are right paths. Jesus leads us in the right paths and following the Lord is always for your good. This path is always for his glory as well. He leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He is leading you in a path so that he might make much of himself. That you are not primary in this. He is primary. His desire for your life is that your life be this massive display of the goodness and kindness and sufficiency and grace and love of the almighty God and good shepherd. So for your good and God's glory, he leads you in the path of righteousness. Now, if you get that truth in mind and then go to verse four, what we realize is this. It is the good shepherd on the path of righteousness who is actually the one that leads us to the valley of the shadow of death. And what that means is this, is that your valley, which is an inevitable reality of the pathway, is not an interruption to your pathway, it is the pathway. The valley is not an interruption to your pathway, this is the pathway. Psalm 23 prepares us for this reality that if you're going to let the Lord lead, he will lead us at times through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I would imagine this is true of you, but I don't know, this, this may just be me, you can, you can let me know. But it, it takes about 30 seconds for me to be in the valley. Actually, that's, that's not true. It's before I even get into the valley. As I'm descending into the valley, before I even get to the bottom of the valley, before I start questioning the Lord. I question his goodness, I question his kindness, I am amazed at times when I find myself in difficult situations that my faith is not near as strong as it often is in good situations. I will question, Lord, where are you and why and why has this happened? I immediately feel as if God has forgotten me and forsaken me and the only encouragement to me in that is knowing that throughout the Psalms, David seems to do the same thing. He comes to these moments of distress through the valley of the shadow of death throughout his life, early in his life, and saying, Lord, why, why have you forsaken me? Of Why have you forgotten me? And part of the reason that I tend to struggle with that in the valley is because at some point I failed to realize that the valley is an inevitable reality of life. And the same God who leads me to the mountaintop is the same God who leads me to the valley. And he is leading me to the mountaintop and to the valley for my good and for his glory. In other words, it is impossible for God to get me from where I am to where he wants me to be without going through the valley. In the same way, it is impossible for the shepherd to get the sheep to where they need to be without going through a valley, so it is impossible for the Lord to take you from where you are right now to where he wants you to be without taking you through some valleys. And there is no conflict 
between the goodness of the Lord and his leadership through the valley. We know that for countless reasons, but primarily because one thing we know as those who have walked through valleys is that it is always in the valley when we come to understand more of just how good God actually is. It is there in which our faith is strengthened when we develop deeper wells of confidence and love for the Lord. So yes, it is true that your pathway always includes valley. But that's not the only truth from Psalm 23. The second truth is this. Your valleys always include God's presence. Do you see these together? Your pathway always includes valleys. Your valleys always include God's presence. Look at the text again. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, the reason David brings up fear is because the valley is always associated with fear. I mean, these things always go together. If there is any emotion that is brought up by the valley, it is primarily the emotion of fear. Again, there is danger in the valley. There was the danger for the shepherd and the sheep of the potential of robbers coming out in the darkness of the valley or wild animals coming for the sheep in the darkness of the valley. The valley is a place always associated with fear. There is danger in the valley. There's countless dangers in the valley. And just when we think about the valley, it begins to stir up fear in our hearts. It's kind of like that feeling that you get as a little kid when you're coming up by yourself from the basement and you're walking up the stairs and you feel like someone's coming behind you even though you know no one's behind you. You know that feeling you get as you're a kid or as you're 45 years old and you're coming up from the basement and you just get this feeling like, oh no, somebody's coming and you go as fast as you can up the stairs and then try to get, make sure that when you get to the top of the stairs, no one saw you running up the stairs. You know that feeling? That feeling when all of a sudden this fear comes upon you because of the potential danger that might be there, that's the fear that is associated with the valley, this sense that there's something terrible that's going to happen in the valley. It is the natural response to the valley. Somehow, David has come to a place in which his response to the valley is not the natural response, it is the supernatural response. The kind of response that could only be found by someone who knows the Lord and knows that the Lord is with him. He says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will walk through the valley without fear. How in the world has David come to the place where he can walk through the valley without fear? Well, the answer is this. David does not fear the valley because he knows that he is not in the valley alone. David does not fear the valley because he knows that he is not in the valley alone. You do not have to fear the valley because you are never in the valley alone. The God who led you into the valley is the God who is with you in the valley. When I graduated from college and was a missionary in Central Europe for a few years, 
I had to take language class when I first came. And so I was in a new city, a large city, the capital city of the country of Slovakia. I didn't know the language. I didn't know anyone. And I would go into language class every afternoon in the winter. And by the time I came out, it was dark. It got dark very early there in the winter. And I had to walk about two miles from my language class through the city to my apartment. And in order for me to get there, it included walking through some really dark alleys. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor Josh, it just seems to us with your physique that you would never be afraid to be alone in a dark alley in a foreign country. I know it feels that way. And it is true that I know a little bit of Barney Five judo. So I can, I've got some moves and I know you're thinking, Certainly, of all people, Pastor Josh, you would not be afraid, but I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, I was. That many times I would walk that little couple of miles back to my apartment and be terrified. But it was in those moments, as strange and hokey as this might sound, that Psalm 16:8 became really familiar and precious to me. Where David says this, the Lord is at my right hand, therefore I will not be shaken. I used to walk through those dark alleys and quote that verse, the Lord is at my right hand, I will not be shaken, and I would actually picture the Lord at my right hand. Like, here's the Lord. So although I feel that feeling you get when you're coming up from the basement and think someone is coming after you, and you feel scared and it's dark and you're alone, the reality that I would remind myself of in that moment is that the Lord is actually at my right hand. So I'm not going through the dark alley alone in the same way that we do not go through the dark valley alone. David says, I've come to the realization that you are with me. And did you notice? This is the first time in Psalm 23 that David uses the word you. No, up until this point, he has said this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. He doesn't say, for he is with me, which would have been the most natural thing to say. It's what he said in every other verse. He doesn't say that. He says, for you are with me. And the reason he makes that transition is this. is because David has realized that it is in the valley in which the presence of the Lord becomes most intimate and personal and meaningful. It is in the valley that you come to experience the closeness of the Lord like you never have before. It is in walking through the dark alley that you need to know his presence and his presence assures you. And it is walking through the dark valley in which you desperately need the Lord's presence and is there in which you find his presence is sufficient. What David wants us to understand is that yes, Your pathway is going to include valleys, but your valleys are also going to include his presence. And there is never going to be a valley that the Lord does not lead you through, that he does not also go there with you. He will be before you, he will be behind you, he will be beside you, he will be over you, he will be under you, he will surround you, and he will ensure in that valley nothing touches you without going through him first. Your valley will always include God's presence. Now, as I think about my own valleys, when I think about how I've walked with others through the valleys as well, and when I think about just reading David's story and the other stories of scripture, 
I keep, I keep thinking about three different phases of the valley. I, I think this will resonate with you. Three different phases of the valley. Think about this with me this morning. First is that phase before you get to the valley. Now this is another one of those moments where I'm not sure that this is going to be understandable to you, but I'm pretty confident it is. Have you ever struggled with the fear of going through the valley way before you've ever gotten to the valley? This has always been a part of my life. I've always been afraid of the valley that the Lord might bring me through. And then I get married and I was more worried about what potential danger might happen. Then I have children and I'm more worried about what might happen to them. And all of a sudden you realize that way before you ever get to the valley, you're just afraid of, of the valley. I would even say before that, as a child, I wondered what would happen to my parents. And, and then I wondered if I was ever going to be married. I was single until I was almost 29. And you just wonder, Lord, is there anything out there for me? And our minds don't usually drift to the most positive case scenario. They, they usually go to the worst case scenario. And there is this fear that accompanies us before we ever get to the valley. And at times, if we're not careful... We can allow our minds to focus so much on the time before the valley that it actually becomes an unbearable weight. Now, let me tell you what's helped me as I've battled the time before the valley. Two truths. The first one is in 1 John 4, 8. It says this, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Which means God loves me perfectly. He is perfect in his wisdom. He is perfect in his guidance. His pathway is perfect. The way he leads me is perfect. His wisdom, his grace, his kindness, everything about the Lord is perfect. He loves me fully and completely and perfectly. So when I begin to fear of what might potentially happen, I cast out that fear by reminding myself of the perfect love of Jesus, that it is impossible for the Lord to lead me in a valley where he is not only present, but he is also not going to use that valley for my good and his glory. If he loves me perfectly, I do not need to fear the potential valley. God this morning wants to free some of you up. Some of you are bound by the fear of what might happen if you fully follow Jesus. There are some of you who are holding back from surrendering fully to the Lord because of this, because you're afraid of what it might cost you. And what the Lord wants to say to you right now is this all comes down to an issue of trust. Do you believe that the Lord loves you perfectly? If he does, you must right now surrender to his path knowing that that path is for your good and his glory. And I assure you, the God who loves you perfectly will lead you in a much better path than you can lead yourself through. So we remind ourselves that perfect love casts out fear and we surrender to the Lord and we say, Lord, I don't fear the valley because I know that in order for you to get me to where I need to be, you're gonna take me through the valley. I trust you in that. You'll be there with me. You'll sustain me through it. We trust the perfect love of God. But the other truth that's helped me in the uh, thinking about the life before the valley is the simple truth, and you've heard me say this before, it is that God is not present in your imaginary future. And God does not give you grace 
for your imaginary future. So we know that God's grace is sufficient for any moment. But if you choose to spend your time in your mind, walking down the pathway of your imaginary future, just know that when you get to that imaginary future, God will not be there. You are on your own. And the only thing you have in your imaginary future is your own strength and your own sufficiency, which is not enough. So to put it into terms of Psalm 23, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. What that means is this, is that God is not going to be present in your imaginary valley, but he will be present in your real valley. So instead of spending your time walking down the pathway of an imaginary valley where God is not there, wait until the real valley and I assure you he will be there. There is this phase of life before the valley and God wants to free some of you up from some unnecessary godless fears. There's that life before the valley, but then there's that phase of life in the valley. Life in the valley. Some of you have been there. Listen, some of you are there right now. And let me tell you this based upon my own experience, but more importantly, the authority of the word of God. As you are in the valley, you will find that Jesus is enough. He is sufficient in the valley. And if you will trust him in the valley, and if you will lean into him, not away from him, you will find that his presence is sufficient, his grace is sufficient, his love and his kindness is sufficient. You will find that you do not have grace in the valley for tomorrow, but you've got grace for today. And tomorrow, you'll have the grace you need for tomorrow. You will find that the Lord becomes sweeter and more personal and more intimate than he ever has before when you're in the valley. And I can't convince you of that before the valley. But I assure you, if you lean into Jesus in the valley, you will find that it is true. And you know what else? And the Desso's video is helpful in this regard. That if you have made the choice to be committed to a church, and I'm really thankful for what we're able to do right now. I'm thankful that I'm able to bring you this message. We're able to lead you in worship. This is great, but it is not the new normal, and it is not ever what God primarily intended. We need to be joined together with a body of believers on a regular basis. And one of the reasons you need it is this. Because if you are fully committed to the life of the local church, you will also discover that in the valley, the church and the family of God is really good. It's really good. When you're not in the valley, you think, well, maybe I don't need a church, but I assure you, you're gonna get in that valley and you're gonna wish you had a family to rally around you, and they will. There's that phase before the valley, there's that phase in the valley, and then there's that last phase on the other side of the valley. I love the Deso story because they're coming out of the other side of the valley, and this has not been a, a quick process. This oftentimes is a slow process. It takes a lot of time for us to recover from some of the things that we've experienced in the valley, but let me assure you that Romans 8.28 is true, and God who led you in is the God who will lead you out. You will come on the other side and you will come to discover that God is working all things together for 
good. He has promised you that this is the right path. Does it include a valley? Yeah, a lot. But it's the right path. It's the only path that leads to life. It's the only path that contains the peace and the presence and the joy of the Lord. And we don't fear the path because we know that God is good and we trust his perfect love. But the truth is it really all comes down to just that. It comes down to trusting the good shepherd. Our mission at Prince is simple. We want to lead people to trust and follow Jesus. We believe that these two things are inseparable. You cannot faithfully follow Jesus unless you are trusting Jesus. Because the Lord is asking you to go out, as he says Abraham, not knowing where you are going. This is what he's saying. Come follow me, where? I'll show you. It demands faith to follow the Lord. And what God is wanting to stir up in your heart right now, whether you're before the valley, in the valley, or on your way out of the valley, is a greater confidence in the goodness and the love and the kindness of the shepherd. And some of you, for the very first time, need to release control of your life. You need to stop fearing the cost of following him. You need to trust that it is the better pathway. And you need to right now call upon the name of the Lord, surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus, I'm trusting you as my Lord and Savior. I'm trusting you with my path and life. And even if I go through the valley, I will continue to trust you. Some of you need to trust the Lord and surrender fully and afresh to him. Some of you just need to renew your confidence that even if he's gonna take you through or you're on your way out or you're in the middle, that God is enough. He's a good shepherd. And church, let me tell you something. You can trust him. You can trust his heart. You can trust his wisdom. You can trust his sufficiency because there is never a path he leads you in that he will lead you in alone. Let's trust the good shepherd and let's pray together. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.